0: Welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. That you might have it more abundantly. Uh, he, He wasn't just talking about Eternal fire insurance. So, you know, I, I want you to know you're going to miss hell and you're going to live with me internally in heaven. Now, that's true. And that is wonderful. I mean, it, it's hard for us to grasp in our finite mind exactly how amazing and wonderful heaven is going to be. However, I also want you to understand eternal life starts the moment you receive Jesus Christ into your heart and life. That's when eternal life starts. And God wants us living here and now an amazing and an incredible life that is beyond anything the world can imagine. Because the world is trying to deal with life through all of the stuff that the world has to offer. And, and when... When new cars and new houses, and when when you've got two closets full of clothes, and 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 when you're you're uh, you, you've you've gone through relationship to after relationship, and still life is not being satisfying, then it just offers more alcohol. It, it offers now you can even legally uh, take narcotics. You know more and more. I mean, it's just the, and uh, and the whole thing is to try and make life better than it was, to make it a better experience, to try and escape the pain and the hurt of this world. Right? To try and live incredible. Has anyone besides me noticed that this world offers a lot of pain? and and it 's not just it's not just the down and out uh, back in the in the in the eighties when I was doing a lot of ministry at women 's aglow and full gospel businessmen, I never stopped marveling at how those that had the most money were sometimes the most broken, those that had the most toys. We're often the most miserable. Remember when, when I was speaking in Issaquah, at Women's A Glow, in, uh, in 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 uh, we 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 just started the meeting and we were all enjoying a, a very nice lunch meal and and in walked this lady in. The ladies, do you remember back in the 80s when they wore what they called jumpsuits? You know, they were the, the one one piece things. And she's in this jumpsuit in these high heels. What's that? she was in she was in this jumpsuit in high heels and had on a, enough jewelry that a jewelry store could have started and 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 uh, and it, it wasn 't fake stuff and and she, she comes in and she has a seat way at the back and 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 then i 'm introduced and i 'm speaking and and while i 'm speaking, Holy Spirit is just like a laser. On this woman. And uh, when I get to the point of, of making an altar call for prayer, she just crumples onto the floor and is broken. And, and she came up, prayed for her. God just gave her miracles. And later I learned that she's one of the leading women there in Issaquah, and her and her husband have more money than you and I can count. And, and yet her life was so broken. It was so crushed and devastated. Because see, this, this world doesn't really have answers. It just has band-aids. It just has momentary escapes. It, 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 just, it just has ways of trying to anesthetize the brokenness and the pain and the hurt. But it can't take it away and give you a truly incredible life. But Jesus Christ said, I want to give you a truly incredible life. Amen? Amen. Now, in that, when we're talking about having that incredible life, that's what the Apostle Peter is writing about in his second epistle. And let's go ahead and read it together, if you'll join me. This is the first few verses of chapter 1. Would you read it together with me, starting right here? Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ... To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us succeeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, we, we discovered last week that in this passage of scripture, Peter talks about truth three times in a couple of different ways. First, he talks about Knowledge and then he talks about incredible and precious promises and we learned last week that god wants to multiply in our life grace and mer- and peace and it comes to the knowledge of god the father When he talks about knowledge of God the Father, knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, exceeding great and precious promises, and all these are rooted in truth. But if we're going to experience the full measure of God's grace and his peace in our life, it comes through the incredible knowledge and having accurate and true knowledge of God the Father. Couldn't go to the next slide for me if you would. So, this truth. This accurate knowledge of God the Father is what accesses for us his grace, his favor, his strength in our life. We don't deserve it, we can't earn it, but he gives it to us because he loves us and because of his mercy. But also, as we walk in his grace, the tranquility and his peace floods our life. That we live with an inner tranquility and inner and inner uh, calm that the world does not understand, but we have that because through His grace in our life, flooding our life, we have this great assurance, this great affirmation, and so we can walk in this tranquility. Amen. Amen. But not only, He also promises. Oops, and yeah, we'll go here. He wants. To give us, through his divine power, everything that pertains to life and godliness. Now look at that. Through his divine power, he wants to give us everything that pertains to life. And this is amazing. We, in other words, we do not live in lack when you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not live in lack. You do not live, and you do not live your life out of, uh, out of uh, defeat, out of, uh, out of the rubble of life. You do not live your life out of victimization. See, all of this stuff that the world says, that that we live in. Oh well, you're a victim, dear child, and and so you you spend a lifetime going to a counselor trying to to deal with living life out of victimization, or or you know you've you you know you, you you've grown up in poverty, you lived in poverty, and, and you live your life out, of, and, and so you live in this constant living out of poverty. now, now listen, that's the way the world deals with it. But that's not the way, that is not the way that a child of God lives with it. His divine power gives us everything we need for life and for godliness. So how do we access that? He says, through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue. One translation says, through the knowledge of him who has called us. To his glory and virtue. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if we're gonna live with this, then we have to have accurate and true knowledge of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. We have to have accurate and true knowledge. Of who the Lord Jesus Christ is, I, I love in in one of the in in one of the gospels. It talks about how on one evening these men came to the disciples and said, "We would see Jesus." They really didn't know who he was, and and when it was saying, "We would see Jesus," it wasn't like, "Can we just kind of get a peek at him?" You, you know how have, have you ever had? a really famous person in, in your community, a movie star or someone, and you wanted to just get a look at them. And so you, you got there and you were in the car and, you, went, and you, were, you, were, you wanted to see them, you know, in the flesh. You'd seen them on the big screen. You'd seen them on television. You'd seen them in the news, but you'd seen them in magazines. You'd seen them in the newspaper. You wanted to see them in the flesh, right? Yeah, that's not what they were saying. They were saying, we want to... See him. We want to meet him. We want to get to know him. Right? Folks, I think so often our knowledge of Jesus Christ is rooted in the historical knowledge. And so we we, we read the Bible occasionally or we, we hear preachers or we listen to to stuff on YouTube or or Pinterest or whatever, and and and, and our knowledge of Jesus is not totally unlike that knowledge of knowing other famous people. But this word here, through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue, knowledge here is not just intellectual knowing. Now that's the word here, but when you go over to Philippians chapter three, the apostle Paul said it this way, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death and there the word know him is not the same Greek word as the one here for knowledge, but it is the Greek word that is as a man would know his wife. It is an experiential knowing. It is a deep, intimate personal knowing. And that's what God wants you and I to have of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know him deeply, personally, and intimately. Not just the historical knowing. But you know what? In in, in today's generation, there are some weird concepts of Jesus Christ. And And I'm using that term in the meaning of what it is. Weird See, if 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 you, if you study the Mormon faith, they teach, first of all, that God is an exalted man. And all of us can have our journey to Godhood. We all get to be gods at some point and get our own planet. And you want to have a lot of wives so you can populate your planet. Weird. Weird. I don't know where they get that in Scripture. That's weird. It, but... But their knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, to them, Jesus is an exalted man and one of the gods. And he wasn't born of the Holy Spirit, he wasn't conceived of the Holy Spirit. And that he and Lucifer are brothers. This is, this is. And so when folks say, "Well, you know, you know, Mormons are Christians. We all believe the same." Oh, no, 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 no. We don't. Not even close. Okay. Now, now, here's Jehovah's Witness. Jesus Christ is a god. He's one of the many gods. He's not almighty. Okay. And so their image of Jesus is odd, also. Now, if you're, if you're a Muslim, you believe that Jesus Christ existed, but he was just one of the prophets, and he's not the greatest prophet. Muhammad is the greatest prophet. Muhammad is above Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ was not conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of a Virgin Mary. He's not the Son of God. He did not die on the cross and raised from the dead. He is not the Savior of mankind. He is just one of the great prophets. Not the greatest, but he's one of the great prophets. There's some weird images of Jesus Christ out there. If you're Baha'i or Hindu or Buddhist, Jesus Christ is just a great man who lived a great life. And he he was one of the great teachers. One of the great teachers. In the late 1800s, early 1900s, when higher criticism today often referred to as historical criticism... When when it began to be expounded, it also began to distort. Now, this is inside Christian churches. Many of the, in fact, most of the Methodist churches, the Lutheran churches, the... Uh, the Presbyterian church, the, the uh, Episcopalian church, uh, most of those churches, many of the Baptist organizations embraced higher criticism, historical criticism. Today, many of the Pentecostal and evangelical churches are beginning to embrace that concept. And, and and what was one of their key points is that the virgin birth didn't really happen and that the miracles of Jesus didn't really happen. And, and they began to teach a historical Jesus, not a divine Jesus, a historical Jesus. And we're beginning to see that manifest itself in evangelical Pentecostal circles today while not in that same exact term that they used then but in a new way. They talk more about Jesus being human and the worship songs talk more about human and they even want to use human love relationships in the worship songs. I call them gushy, mushy songs and they are disgusting because they are lowering God from being divinity to being like us. And that's what he talked about in Psalms and he said, you altogether thought I was like you. And it's the lowering of Jesus. And all cults do two distinguishing things. They lower Jesus Christ and they exalt mankind. And the danger of that is this. When you skew the identity of Jesus Christ, you lose the access To all things that pertain to life and godliness. And you're back to trying to make it on your own. And going to church and being a Christian... Is, is religious participation that just helps you be a better person. It's just helping you be a better person. Jesus is just patching you up. Jesus is just making you a better person. Jesus is just giving you a better life. Jesus is just giving you a life where you can be wealthy and rich. Jesus is just, and that is not what it's all about. Jesus Christ didn't come to just make you a better person and to help you have a better life. Jesus Christ came to make you a, new creation. That's what it's about. It's not about just learning to live life better. It's about learning to become a whole new creation in Jesus Christ so that everything in your life is flowing out of who he is in your life. And so if you lower the image of Jesus Christ, you're in great danger. So what does scripture say about him? Well, here's a more accurate picture. It says in Luke 1, 26 to 37, when the angel Gabriel's talking to Mary and and he's saying, Mary, don't be afraid. You're highly favored among women. And she goes, what's this all about? He says, I want you to know you are going to have a son and you're going to call his name Jesus and he will be great and he will be called the son of the highest And he will sit on the throne of his father David and of his kingdom and of his throne. It will never end. And Mary's going, how's that possible when I've never known a man? He said, I'll tell you how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. And you will conceive a son. And that holy child will be the son of the highest. virgin birth conceived of the holy spirit john 1 1 where where uh pastor darcy read this morning in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Skip down to verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And there in John 1, 14, and again over in John three sixteen, when it refers to him as the only begotten in the Greek, it literally means the only unique one of his kind. In other words, there's no other like him. Why? Because as it says in Colossians 8, and this is the wrong scripture. It has eight. No, no, go back. Go back. Colossians, it says 2, 8, and 9 is supposed to be 9 and 10. My typo. Stupid computer made a mistake. Okay. It's supposed to be 2, 9, and 10. Everybody say 2, 9, and 10. 2, 9, and 10. Okay. It says this, okay. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In other words, Jesus Christ was 100% man. He was also 100% God. He was God in the flesh. He wasn't just a man. He was not an exalted man. He was God man. And the only one of his kind. Now, Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 20 gives an even clearer description of him. Listen to this. This is so amazing. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created, visible and invisible, whether the thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were made by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things are held together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now I want to stop here for just a second. In the first verse he says, he's the firstborn of all creation. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now he's the firstborn of the dead. That, when it's talking about being firstborn, does not mean he was a created being. As the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witness teach, that he was a created being. That he is the first creation of Almighty God. No, he is not. He is not a created being. He pre-existed his virgin birth in Genesis he comes to Abraham when Abraham's living at Mabre and he has dinner with Abraham and tells him he's gonna have a boy and comes again and tells him he's gonna destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. in in the book of joshua he is the captain of the lord's host he comes but he meets moses as the angel of the lord he meets moses at the burning bush there are multiple occasions when jesus christ reveals himself in his pre-incarnate role as almighty god and then he is conceived of the holy spirit in the virgin mary and he becomes god man Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the anointed one. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the firstborn of the dead. Because he rose from the dead, because of who he is, it being the firstborn means he has the inheritance of everything that belongs to the father. He sits in the position as the kinsman redeemer. When you study in the Old Testament the role of the firstborn male child and what his role was in caring for mom and caring for unmarried sisters, his role to make sure That if a family member was killed, his role was to make sure justice was done. His role to redeem any family member that was lost into slavery or through indebtedness, he could buy them back, he could redeem them as the kinsman redeemer. When you read all of that, and that's what is referring to about the Lord Jesus Christ, it is a direct reference saying that because he was almighty God and because he became a God-man, he became our kinsman redeemer. Because he was the He rose from the dead because death could not hold him because now he has the keys of death and hell. Therefore, as our kinsman, redeemer, he has the authority to make sure death never touches our life. The firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have the preeminence for it pleased the father that in him all fullness should dwell and to reconcile to himself by him all things to make peace through the blood of his cross by him whether things in earth or things in heaven. This is who Jesus Christ is. This is his true image. Isn't that beautiful? Man, don't you just want to give him praise for who he is? Come on, give him a praise for who he is. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now because this is who he is, he provides for us all things that we need for life. Everything that we need for life. In my name, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Answered prayer. In my name, you shall heal the sick. In my name, he's going to provide food. Wow, and we see this multiple ways, don't we? Don't we watch this in multiple ways, whether we're talking about, about the widow who didn't have enough money. And, 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 so Jesus said, well, well, what do you got? Well, I got, I I've got, I've got a little flask of oil. Well, go get all the jars you can in this town. And don't get a few, get everything you can. They got every empty jar in town. And she took that little, that little flask of oil and she began pouring that little flask of big oil in one of the jars and that jar filled up and there's still, and she poured more and that was still, still full. Every one of those jars, she filled full of that little flask or the, or the widow. He came to and he said, uh, She's, she's, making, she's making bread for her and her son. He says, "Oh, would, would, would you make me breakfast first? And she said, this is all I have. My son are going to eat this and then we're going to die. This all, no, 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 go ahead, make for me first. How come? Because God's going to provide for you. She never ran out of food. Yeah. She never ran out of food. Oh, whether we're talking Jesus feeding 5,000 with two fish and some bread. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Feeding five, and that's besides women, there's women and children there too. So who knows how many were in the crowd and just on and on. I can tell you, and his promise to you and I, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Everything that you need for life. He said he'd cast out demons. In my name, you'll cast out demons. When the the demonic forces come and try to harass you and harass your family and afflict you by the authority of Jesus' name, you cut them off. You don't let them harass your family. Stop it. Stop letting them take you from drama to drama to drama to drama. Not in Jesus' name. He provides you protection. I want to tell you, he's a lot better than s w He's a lot better than Ruger. And I'm not against people owning guns. I better not be. I got them in my own house. But I'm just telling you, if, if it comes down to that or Jesus, give me Jesus anytime. Amen. Come on. Amen. Because he said, I will be your rear guard and I will be your shield that goes before you. Yes, Lord. Thank you. By my God, we shall do valiantly. It is He who will tread down our enemies. Amen? Amen. Everything we need for life and for godliness. And for godliness. Forgiveness of sin. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justification means to be declared just as if you'd never sinned. He not only forgives you, but then he removes all records and destroys all records and declares you to be just as if you'd never sinned in your life. Well, why does he do that? Because he wants to adopt you into the family. He wants to make you an adopted son or daughter of Almighty God. Come on, amen? Amen. So now you're not, just, you're not just, well, I'm just a forgiven sinner. No, no, no. If you're a sinner, you're not forgiven. If you're forgiven, you're not a sinner. So if you're forgiven, you're justified. If you're justified, you've been adopted into the family of God. So now you're an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ because you are a son and daughter of God and you're headed for the throne to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. Come on. Righteousness. We have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Think about that. The righteousness of God. So, Almighty God, uh, you're, you're not ready for this yet. Hang on. Hang on. Come on. Hang on. You ready? Judicially. Almighty God says you can never be more holy than you are right now because you're forgiven and you're justified. Now, I know daily you mess up, right? Mm -hmm. By the way, don't use that for an excuse to keep messing up because then that's not a mess up. That's a willful sin. Got to repent. Repent. But the moment you repent and ask his forgiveness, what does he do? He forgives you, he justifies you, and he declares you to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can never be more holy judicially. You can never be more holy than you are right now. So when the enemy comes and says, look what a mess up you are. Look how bad you do. Look how you look at him in the eye and you go, according to my father, I am righteous. Huh, how do we get to see his love? That's cool. There, we're we're getting there. Thank you. (laughs) Are you tracking with me? All things we need for life and godliness. So we're holy and we're victorious. We are more than conquerors in the Lord Jesus Christ. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors in the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot be defeated. You cannot be overcome. Just as it says. And that light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Literally, the darkness could not overcome it. And now in Jesus Christ, we have gone from darkness into light. We are in his light. If we walk in the light, you see us in the light. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ keeps cleansing us from all sin, and we can never be defeated because we are children of the light. This is who we are. Now this is the true Jesus Christ. And if you have a skewed image of the true Jesus Christ, all of this gets skewed. Because when Jesus Christ is skewed, now you're trying to earn your favor with God. You're trying to earn your way to heaven and you will never get there. When you have a skewed image of Jesus Christ, you will never be good enough. You will constantly be under condemnation and judgment. You will constantly see yourself as a failure. You will constantly see yourself as never being able to. When you skew the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, your conscience, see, you You not only have the conscious mind thinking and, and living like you are right now in this room, but you have a subconscious mind And in that subconscious mind, there is junk from your childhood, junk from your years of sin, junk from your years of living and disobedience from Almighty God and that junk is deep inside there and Almighty God gives you this promise that the blood of Jesus Christ will purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God so that not only your conscious mind can be renewed, your subconscious mind can be renewed so you can truly live in the freedom with which Jesus Christ has made you free and that is not possible except with the true image of the Lord Jesus Christ. The true image of the Lord Jesus Christ makes you free. Yes, yes, yes. And he whom the son hath made free is free indeed. Would you stand with me please? Anything less than the true image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only because of deception. Only because you don't love truth and run after truth. Only because in your self-will and in your stubbornness, you don't want to give up everything in your life. And so you willfully keep Jesus at a limited space in you. And may I tell you, all three of those are killing you. If you have any one of those or all three of them working in your life, it's killing you. But you don't have to stay there. You can make the choice to say, Lord Jesus Christ, I want to release you. And set you free in my life to do all of your work to give the full expression of your true identity in the fullest measure in my life. Because when you do, I am truly free. Wow, that's beautiful. That's amazing. That's miraculous. I've watched this work in so many lives. From women that have been rape victims and molestation victims. To men that have come home from combat and war battling PTSD. To individuals that have grown up. In poverty, and never believed they could get out of that poverty mentality to those that have have gone through just brokenness after brokenness after brokenness brokenness in their life. And uh, women that have looked me in the eye and said, how come I can't pick a guy that's right? Well, let me tell you, in Jesus Christ, you can. In Jesus Christ, you can. Jesus makes us a whole new creation. See, that's what he's talking about when he says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and be called A-L-L. All things are become new. That's why you want the true image of the true Lord Jesus Christ just as scripture gives it in the fullness of your mind, your emotions, and your volition. You want the fullness of him in you. Amen?